Hey friends, is the church taking full advantage of podcasting as a tool for discipleship? Our guest today has a unique approach that uses podcasting's ability to create conversations to the fullest, and you know I love that. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 319, Peter Englert and Digital Ministry and Mentorship. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show that we where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. I know you're going to get so much from it and certainly, uh, you know, walk away hopefully closer to the Lord or maybe even ask in a few of your own questions of him. That's right where I think you need to be. I think it'd be great for you. Friends, uh, as always, you can, the thing you can do to support the show most would be to just share it with a friend. You know how to do that. You know, all your social tools and, and communication tools. Just, uh, just ask, ask a friend, Hey, have you listened to this show? Because it's, uh, something I think you'll enjoy. I'd love that. And then uh, if you're able, you want to go to uh, halfwaythereapodcast.com, click that Patreon button. We would love the support. Thanks to those of you who already do it. Really does mean a lot. Keeps us rolling uh, every single month. So that is amazing. Hey, today our guest, I'm excited to have this conversation because uh, I think he's doing something really cool uh, with his show that you need to, to be uh, aware of and... Uh, I would love to encourage if you're a pastor, you to think a little bit more like, like our guest today in order to use podcasting as a tool. So our guest, he is also a pastor, a podcaster, and a writer. He's been in Rochester. That's awesome. I wasn't too far from there. I'll have to tell you about that later. Uh, he's, he's married to uh, his wife, Robin, a mental health therapist. He's got two little girls. That's awesome. Our guest is Peter Engler. Peter, welcome to Halfway There. Eric, so glad to be here. I'm glad to have you as well. Um, thank you for just making a little time out of your day to come and share with us. I am excited about it. You're doing some cool stuff. So tell us a little bit about where God has you right now and and uh, maybe just mention that podcast you've got. Absolutely. Um, so I live in Rochester, New York. I can't wait to hear what you have to say <laughs> about being in, in that area. But uh, I serve a non-denominational church called Browncroft Community Church, turned 100 years old uh, this past year, uh, which is pretty awesome. That is cool. And uh, so I, if I was to really kind of share what my job is, it's three things. It's small groups, digital content, and, you know, meeting people's needs. And so the digital content in the past four years has really grown from a live stream team um, to also just social media, but then this podcast, which is why God, why, and we exist to respond to the questions that people don't feel comfortable asking in church. Every episode starts with a why question, like why is my boss a jerk? Why is Jesus the only way? Why is the Bible relevant? And we get guests at some point we're going to have you on and uh, just to, just to respond to questions that people actually have. And, uh, it's been an amazing experience. Uh, you mentioned my wife's a mental health therapist. I've learned how to listen better. Mm. But I think the coolest thing about it, and we'll talk a little bit more, is I feel like I'm serving the congregation by bringing them individuals that they might not encounter uh, on their yes. own. And so that's been the coolest part about it. There is something so valuable about being a curator of content for your audience. Mm. And in your case, your audience is your, is your church, but then, you know, you get to put it out in 
have all those other people, uh, you know, around the world who might be interested, listen to it. Now, just to give you an idea, guys, these why questions, I sent Peter a few ideas and then he sent me back a question. He was like, let's do this one. I was like, okay, that's related. But then I felt like I had to write a book about the topic in order to be prepared. So it was, uh, it was great, but it was, it's, it's a lot. It's not, you're not dealing with, you know, small questions. Yeah. You're not dealing with small questions, but I also think, um, I've grown up, you know, whether it's growing up in, you know, in a Christian home or being at a church, normally the why question, there's about three questions beneath it. Um, I'll never forget this. I, there's a guy that reached out to me on Twitter before I had a podcast and he asked me, he said, why is there so much killings in the old Testament? <laughs> right. And I immediately wrote him back and I said, Hey, let's have coffee. And the real question that he was asking was, he said, my life is so broken and sinful. Why doesn't God destroy me? And so, you know, I, I think about that, mm. these why questions, we want to write a book, but there's actually more the how there's something deeply personal about these questions that we're trying to uncover. Yeah. Boy, that's so true. And that goes back to listening, doesn't it? Actually, like when, when you're, if you're listening to the question, sometimes you have to listen to the question behind the question and sometimes the one behind that, right? Absolutely. And when you do that, kind of amazing things happen. People actually make connections and they find not only God, but themselves and themselves in relationship with God. And that's a beautiful thing. And pastors don't always have the best reputation to listen. And one of the things that I appreciate about my wife is, you know, when there's silence in the conversation, she holds it and then she'll say, go on. And when you give people permission to go on, they usually process or say more, whether it's something that's helpful to teach or whether it's actually something helpful to heal. Wow. Yeah. That takes a lot of humility though, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's type it. I want to hear more about your story. I love all, all of this, but you didn't get here overnight, right? You you got here through a process. You're in Rochester now. Are you from Rochester? No, I'll give you kind of the cliff notes and then we can kind of jump okay. around. So I grew up I grew up in Binghamton, New York, which is kind of on the border of Pennsylvania. Um, it's about three hours south of Rochester. And um, I'll never forget. So when I think about recording a podcast, I took like a spiritual gift test when I was 13 and they said, you're going to be a talk show host. <laughs> so back, back then, I had no idea what a podcast was, you know, and all of that. And, you know, as a millennial, I just kind of feel like I was born at the right time. So I'm not going to give you my age, but when I started college, that's when Facebook started. Um, that's when podcasting started. So I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a digital native, but I just started appreciating it. So, you know, when I was a first year at uh, the University of Valley Forge. I was listening to podcasts from other churches. I was going to church. I was engaging that. And then I worked for a time at my alma mater, University of Valley Forge, as an admissions counselor. And I met my wife and ended up moving on from there. She grew up and lived in Rochester. This is her home church. And now it's my home church. But, oh, wow. Uh, and just a funny side story, you know, we were long distance dating while I was living in Philadelphia. And she said to me, 
she said, someone's moving and it's not me. And she hates when I say that because she's super gracious <laughs> and kind, but it, it was, it was uh, God speaking. Well, anyways, long story short, I get here to Browncroft and this podcast basically started because my current boss, John Amayo, he used to work for Crew. And we were talking about reaching young adults. And he said those inevitable words in 2018. He said, we should start a podcast. And here we are today. And part of it is, I, I feel like the in-person gathering ministry has actually gotten simpler. It's the digital ministry that's gotten harder. And so it's trying to, how do you empower people Monday through Saturday to feel connected to the church? And that's really where my heart has been, knowing that people are busy. They're attending church less. You know, they're most, even the committed ones are attending church once, you know, once a month. How do you stay connected with all of that? So that's kind of been a little bit of a quick story. We can jump off from any point from there. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. Um, okay. So growing up in New York and so where, how was that? What was the Christian family? What was it like? Yeah, it was a Christian family. I actually grew up a block from where a small company by the name of International Business Machine started, IBM. There you go. So, um, you know, growing up in upstate New York and even just in the Rochester area, I don't think people realize this. There was a lot of businesses that stayed in those areas and people thought that they were going to retire and they ended up leaving. And so when you grow up in this area, I, I kind of felt called, you know, to this because just I understand it. There's a, a healthy skepticism and cynicism. There's been a lot of pain and hurt. So even moving to Rochester, Rochester had Kodak. Um, it's a little doing a little bit better economically. But even as I pastor, there's a sense of how you build trust. You know, people won't immediately open up to you. They won't immediately maybe invite you over to their house, but the longer you build trust and mm. stay, the more that they're committed. You know, somebody asked me this, they said, what's the most important thing that you've done in ministry, you know, at Browncroft? And I tell them, I send a weekly small group leader email. I've been sending that every Friday for the past seven years. Yes. And so, and we take off during the summer, but there was a trust factor that was built of, he said he was going to do it and he's doing it. And that, in many ways, that's kind of what the podcast has been. I'm, I'm a strong, avid weekly, every Thursday, we got to get it out because you're actually sending people a message of their value and their importance of, I'm building mechanisms for you to trust me. Right. And I want to hold my end of the bargain. So you said it was a Christian family. So tell me about how you found the Lord and what that process of growing in him was like. Yeah, I uh, I don't have a testimony necessarily that people want to make a video about, but you know my parents, uh, they're faithful. They they came to know Jesus when they were um, when they were in high school. Grew up going to an Assemblies of God church, um, and just basically from the day I was born, you know, I was in church Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um, and as I turned thirteen, I felt kind of this call to be a pastor. And so I was kind of, there's gym rats and there's church rats. Like <laughs> I hung out, I hung out with my youth pastor, the senior pastor, you know, and like I did everything from alphabetized worship lists to go to hospital visits. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to kind of preach on Sunday nights and just God began opening doors. And that's when 
you know, God kind of led me to Valley Forge, had an awesome experience, great professors. And then, you know, I, I kind of put this dream of being a pastor on hold. I thought I was going to have a career in higher education. And, um, you know, what was crazy was the moment that I was about to move to Rochester, I had actually said, hey, you know what? I love my wife so much. I'll move to Rochester and I'll work an office job. You know, I'll do something. I'll get that figured out. And what I didn't realize was God was beginning to open doors to work at a church, which, you know, I I think it's Philip Yancey. And this has kind of been a life quote for me. Faith is believing in advance, but only makes sense in reverse. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. All right. Tell us that story in a little more detail because that's fascinating. So you, were you deciding to, kind of give up on the, on the ministry dream because you were moving to Rochester? So I, um, you know, I had a boss, uh, his name was Bill Chenko. He just believed in me and he was a director of admissions. And a lot of people that work for Christian colleges, they've worked at churches and he hired me and he said, Hey, you're going to be like, we think you're going to be a great admissions counselor. It just believed in me. So there's a point where it's like, hey, do I want to go into higher education? You know, mm-hmm. do I want to stay here for a long time? And what I missed was um, I missed the preaching, teaching element. Um, I also missed, um, and I didn't realize this, being a part of a local church, um, just being the pastor. Um, so I think sometimes people are like, you're a digital pastor, you're a podcasting pastor, like if you look at my calendar, I have six to seven individual meetings a week. And what's neat about that is mm. I, I give a ton of higher ed uh, professionals a ton of credit. Um, but there's something about being involved in people's lives for the long term. So I put that on hold. And then when I moved to Rochester, I didn't move for a job. I moved for my wife. Okay. And so I didn't know, I didn't know if I was going to stay in higher ed or what I was going to do. So I ended up working in admissions at another institution. I sold cell phones. And between then, there was an eight-month process to get hired at Brown Cross. Wow. That's a long time. It was. Okay. So I get it. So you so you were kind of, you were like, I'm moving there regardless, but God was going to open other doors that you couldn't have imagined. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. What did that do for your faith? What did that do for you? and your relationship with the Lord? Um, you know, I, I would drive up to Rochester from Philadelphia, like during the summer, every, almost every other weekend. And, you know, again, I go back to that quote from Philip Yancey, faith is believing um, in advance, but only makes sense in reverse. And, you know, I just saw God working And I feel like I'm in a place in my spiritual life. I've been at Brown Cross for eight years now where I'm starting to pull from the past in a healthy way. So, you know, when we walk through something difficult, it's like, hey, remember how hard it was driving, you know, the the 10 to 15 hours from Rochester to Philadelphia on a weekend? You know, God's been faithful there. And I think it's been creating those stories that God will walk with you through the valleys of the shadow of death up the mountains, wherever, and that God's been with me. That's kind of the big spiritual takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, well, those are the stories that I, I like to hear. So tell me about how did you, so you gave your life to Christ early and, you know, kind of felt like you were called and you, it sounds like you had some mentors 
right? Who kind of showed you and talked to you about, you know, what it's like to be a pastor. I'm guessing what would give me some inflection points where maybe you felt more um, like a pa- a passage, a book, uh, something a, a mentor said to you that, that really uh, affirmed your calling or that was sort of pivotal in your uh, spiritual walk with the Lord. Yeah, I, so growing up in high school in Binghamton, I had a ton. So, you know, I'll start off with the senior pastor that retired. He's passed away, but his name was Ron Piedmont. And as I talk about each mentor, they all did one thing that was huge. It was, they just included me. Mm -hmm. Um, So with Ron Piedmont, I learned how to do hospital visits, not because I took a class, but because he was there. And, you know, actually, Ron Piedmont never had a social media account, but I learned way more about social media from him than anyone else. He used to have a a TV program that was on five minutes before the Today Show. It was literally called It's a Wonderful Life. (laughs) And, you know, just I didn't even know that God was planting the seeds for a podcast or to be more visible because what would happen is, as I spent time with him, people he had no idea who they were would walk up to him and go, you're my pastor because I see you on TV before the Today Show. Wow. Um, and, you know, that was back in like the 90s. But I also think about, you know, Bill Kirk, who is the pastor after him. I think about my youth pastors, Dan Schmidt, Craig Ripatella, Steve Bellavia. But all of them, you know, it was really the, the same. Um, and Brandon Samuels, a couple of those guys. But all of them, it was really, the, they just included me. And I, I look back at that and it's like, you took a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old that thought they knew a ton um, and you just brought them with you. And, you know, the last one I'll mention, his name's Dan Williams. You know, I had a, I had a dumb phone and I saved his text from four phones. But at one point he just said, Pete, I just want to let you know I'm a real fan of you. And mm. there were times when I wanted to give up and that was the text I would go back to. And so I just, you know, even for your listeners, Number one, like, who are you investing in? We try to yeah. make that super huge, but who are you having coffee with, who are you having lunch with, who are you going to the gym with? But then also, like, I, I never had a hard time finding mentors because I just asked. Wow. And I think, and even with, I mean, we can go back to podcasting wherever you, people ask me, like, how do you get podcast guests? I was like, I send an email and like, they, for some reason, say yes, um, most of the time. So like 95%, but you know, I think that there's an availability, you know, time and investment, but yeah. Yes. I'm reminded of something. One of my mentors in seminary, the first time I went to seminary, um, used to say, never go anywhere alone. Right. 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 So whether you're, it's lunch or it's, uh, you know, like I said, a hospital visit or whatever it is, the best thing you can do is take somebody with you, have that conversation you don't have to force it, but just take them along, right? That experience, those shared experiences, not only are they bonding, you knew all their names, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's meaningful. Uh, but also it helps encourage the, um, the development of that person and you probably, right? So that's really, really powerful. I think especially in, in pastoral ministry, we need that. And I'm not sure it happens enough, at least not where I am. So we had a group of like five or six interns this past summer, and I just sat with them for lunch. And um, I just, 
I have no idea what I'm doing on TikTok. <laughs> and I just, I just like asked them and I just said, tell me about it. Um, you know, and one of the individuals sitting at the table, he was like, yeah, I, I got off TikTok. I used to have like 60,000 followers. And, you know, I guess I, I'm just kind of getting to an age where I'm trying to accept what I don't know. And it's really fun when you watch people, no matter what their ages light up and what they talk about. Yeah. And so I, I think that there's actually mutual mentoring, like to realize and accept and it's part of the gospel. I don't know this, but God has uniquely gifted you. What can I learn from you? Wow. Uh, okay. You reminded me of, um, one of my mentors, Laura Flanders, who's been on the show a couple of times. She, uh, used to run the, uh, mentoring program at Denver seminary. She was one of mine there and she, uh, she will say the same thing, right? Mentorship is a two-way street. And so you don't have to show up knowing everything. You simply have to show up with a open heart and a few questions, right? Like that's it. So you can go, go both directions. I love it. Okay. Well, that's great. So uh, you had some great mentors and I'm really glad to hear that. Friends, again, the encouragement for you is, uh, are you a mentor? Do you need to ask somebody to be a mentor? And it doesn't have to be formal, but just maybe, you know, maybe just take somebody with you to, to something and start uh, making some asks. Okay. Where, where, um, where do you go kind of from there and, uh, what, you know, what, what else, you know, I'm looking for other kind of interesting stories about how your trust in the Lord developed. Yeah. You know, so currently I'll talk about the mentor that I have. His name's Mike Keys. We go to the gym like every Monday. Um, and he actually uh, doesn't get paid by being a pastor. I think he serves in ministry. We can talk about that theory. But, you know, I, I think working at a church and having someone with a different perspective, um, you know, it's interesting, like I've, re- I've sat down and had lunch with people that are talking about business deals or what to do when they retire. And like, I just realized I don't have that experience, but to be able to lean on someone like Mike, um, you know, when I moved up to Rochester, I had a really bad ending to my job. I got let go from one of my jobs. I went uh, directly to his office and he was meeting with people and he said, Hey, um, you all right. And I said, yeah. And he's like, you know, do you want to talk about this later? I said, no, I'll wait. And he was the first person that I told that I got let go from this job. And I just kind of think about that, of how God has walked me through that. Um, that was like a, a big blow. And mm-hmm. um, I think about what that's done for my life and faith. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, after this, I'm about to tape a podcast with a guy that's going to tell a very similar story. You know, I think that we're scared to tell our stories, but that's what God wants to do in our lives is mm-hmm. that you find out like as C.S. Lewis says, me too. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. We're scared to tell our stories, but that's what God wants us to do. Right. That's, I mean, there's a reason (laughs) I say this all the time that so much of scripture is narrative, right. Is stories. So sometimes I like in this podcast, it's not, doesn't have obviously the authoritative weight, uh, authoritative weight of something like, um, scripture, but it is in the vein, it is in the tradition of the book of Acts, right? That we, Mm. what we do here, we tell those stories about how God was faithful to us, about 
how God, we felt like he let us down and how we handled that and how he came back. Um, and so that's, those are the kinds of things that, uh, that we do because his people need to tell those stories and they have been telling them for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So, all right, well, you got let go from the job. I'm curious. You can tell this however, in however much detail as you want. Uh, and maybe it's that story. Maybe it's a different story, but is there, um, a moment when you felt like God was far away or distant, or you kind of went through what's called the dark night of the soul, spiritual desert, something like that. Yeah. You know, I think probably my spiritual dark night of the soul came serving at Browncroft, probably around the time that my first daughter uh, Haley was born. Um, So I was a new parent. There was a few conflicts at the church and you know, like, I just felt like God was saying, hey, be faithful. Um, you know, I have some dreams and aspirations. Like, I, I love preaching and teaching. I love, um, I love the podcast content side of it. You know, but you're at a church. You need to, to serve in the role that God's placed you. And my heart has been not to do the things that necessarily I like to do, but do the things that are helpful for people. And so, it was a difficult season. There was a ton of transition in my life. Um, you know, and at some points I actually took time to go elsewhere, having a new child. And, you know, I, I think about Mike, Mike was there for me. You know, he was there throughout all of that. And, you know, again, I wouldn't say that there was anything like super huge that happened or super, there wasn't this miracle, but I just felt like God say, Hey, be faithful. And, um, you know, so I think about that season, I felt a little sidelined at times and, but that's kind of what God was doing in my life. And that's even where I have this huge value in patience, faithfulness, and consistency. Cause mm. I think people need to see that in you. Yep. Yeah, they do. So what did you learn about yourself through that? So I think my definition of patience is realizing your timetable is in God's timetable. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there, you know, so I grew up as a millennial thinking, you know, so the delirious song history maker. So when I went to college, like my dream was I'm going to get hired at this church. There's going to be a pastor that's about to retire. That's going to walk me and basically put me on a succession plan. Um, and that that's not my life at all. Like my life is, you know, I did the higher ed route and I needed to work somewhere else in the church because I would have been so disconnected from people. Um, you know, when you sell cell phones, you kind of understand what it's like to work with other people that, Hey, like church isn't on their radar. Um, and then the other part of it is just coming to Browncroft open-handed God, I feel like you've called me more to a place than a position, but also, you know, I I think sometimes we miss out because we're not patient. And like I said, growing up in upstate New York, what I'm learning and how I'm engaging relationships in year eight at Browncroft versus year one, I've changed, but there's also a trust that's been built with the people that I serve that you just can't replicate anywhere else. Yeah, and that goes back to what you're saying earlier about hey, you got to be, yeah, show up and 
be there, be consistent in order to earn that trust. Uh, certainly in a, in a place like the Northeast, that's interesting. Um, all right. So how did you end up, um, doing, was this always your job, the, the online stuff or like, I'm guessing, uh, you know, in the last two years, three years, that's been a, a different, a different job, probably with a lot, a lot more, um, challenges. Right. So what was it, what was that like? And kind of, did you always start there or where, how'd that go? We'll go a little inside baseball for some pastors and maybe this will be helpful for them. So when I first started at Brown Cross, we had what we'd call mid-sized ministries, like a men's group, a women's group. We had basically one of those every night. Um, And, you know, our pastor made a decision to go with a small group strategy. And so as we went into a small group strategy, those mid-sized groups began to get smaller and actually become small groups. And then we started, um, you know, utilizing Rooted, which is out of Mariner's Church, as a way to help form small groups. So when I talk about the in-person ministry getting more simple, you know, we have four habits at Browncroft. Spend time with God, that's through prayer and Bible reading. Spend time with others in a small group. Know and use your gifts, you know, that's your time, treasure your talent, and share your faith. All four of those um, happen on Monday through Saturday, not during uh, Sunday. I mean, they happen partially through Sunday. Right. So the landscape of church is changing. So in there was this perfect <sighs> storm of, in 2019, we started the podcast, we started live streaming. In 2020, you know, God was so good to us. We, I mean, we basically, and I want to be careful to our production team, we flipped the switch. You know, we already had all of these things established. And we can hope talk about being early adopters. But now I think where we're at is how do we how do we manage this tension of what can I offer digitally, but also what can we offer in person? And those four habits have been super helpful because to help people grow in their faith, it is about learning, it is about growing in your knowledge of scripture, but scripture implores us to apply it and live it out in our lives. And so in some ways, the way that we pastor and the way that we do church, it's about how do we enter to the lives of people during Monday through Saturday. And that's kind of been just the tension and the theme that I've been working on even for the past year. I I won't say post-COVID, but whatever, you know, as we come out of this pandemic, wherever we are, as this gets recorded or aired. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about something that is really near and dear to my heart. And so I got to, I got to just like punctuate this because you know something that I have been at churches that they just don't. And that is that the Christian life happens not on Sunday, right? It happens all the other days. And therefore your ministry to help build and edify the body has to uh, hit fit their life, right? Outside of, outside of Sundays and maybe the production. Great. Do your thing on Sunday morning, but it's not the only thing that's making disciples, right? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And, and here's the deal. Like programs are there to help people live out their faith. So when I interviewed at Browncroft, there's a wonderful woman elder named Lynn Jackson. She, she said this, she's like, we are not the cruise ship. Like we are a hospital. And I just, (sighs) I still remember her saying that because, you know, that's the heart of Jesus. And 
you know, I think what happened during the pandemic, and I think as pastors are listening and they're trying to figure out, do I create digital content or not? If we see people in the church building, we feel like we're doing something. And so if we see 30 people coming to an event versus 50 people watching or engaging a post online, we, we want to compare those numbers. But, you know, the, the problem with it is if I go to your spiritual life, the most significant moments, most of your significant moments probably came from relationships or taking huge steps of faith on a consistent basis. So how do we have those conversations and push people? I, I saw you light up. I know that we're, this is an audio podcast, but I love yeah. to hear what you're thinking right now. Uh, well, hundred percent. You're right. Because so I, the connection I was just making is that's also the stories you've just told me, right? Are the people who you turn to when things are hard, when you need mentorship, the people just included you when they had no business including you and you, but, but they did because they saw potential in you and that they wanted to encourage you. Those relationships are literally the body of Christ, right? Those, those are the ones that, that are building up, nurturing and developing us into the people that God wants us to be, but they're not quantifiable, right? They're not, Mm. they're not, you can't say that this is why, you know, nickels and noses are the thing, right? It's easy because I can count those and I can tell you how many people, you know, came and how much money they gave. But interestingly, numbers are a technology. Have you read Neil Postman's uh, Technopoly? You should totally read it. I was reading last night on the airplane, coming back all about this, how numbers are a technology, like these invisible technologies, he calls them, and that it changes the way we think. And I think we see that in the church where when we have, we have numbers, it changes what we, what we're pursuing instead of those relationships. Anyway, that's why I like, like, so I have lot, lots of thoughts about that, but man, you're on the right track. I, I, this is a big statement for me, but I would love to go to your church because it sounds like your hearts are going in the right direction. And I would really resonate with that. Well, um, as you give me that compliment, I, I might push back on, on another way. So All right. Maybe you'll take it back. But, you know, so part of my heart is like when it comes to gathering, you know, I have two rules right now or two guidelines. Number one, less is more. And then number two, if I'm going to be talking 70% of the time, I might as well put that online um, because that way people can get it anywhere. So what I mean by less is more um, Sunday morning is still really, really important. And here's kind of my theory, my thought. It's if you encourage people to make Sunday morning consistent, that's going to frame their week to do those habits, whether it happens on campus at church or not. And there's value, like even with my daughters coming to church. So I think we have to kind of be careful with that tension. But I also kind of think too, how do we contextualize? So I'll just give you a quick example. We're, we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be there for the year, five series, seven weeks, so 35 weeks in the book of Corinthians. I did a 1 Corinthians seminar or workshop. We recorded it, but then we put it on Right Now Media and shared it so that if people can't come, they can get it later. And so I just, I just think we, I mean, I hate to say it, as church leaders, we just lack creativity. We also lack the time to sit down and really think, what do people need from us as opposed to just, you know, we need this marriage event. We need this men's event. We need this women's event. 
okay, well, why? And, you know, is there a win after that to help someone find a mentor to find a small group? It's not that I'm anti-events or anti-anything. It's there needs to be a clear purpose and people need to feel like they're welcome, they're included, and they have something to say. Let's give them space to do it. Oh, 100%. Love that. Absolutely. In fact, this is one of the things I talk about with podcasting all the time. There's a spot in the journey when what you learn, that's why I asked you the question about what you learn as you went through that dark night, because it's that you have to learn about yourself in order to become the person God wants you to be. Podcasting does that and maybe creating online content. We could, we could broaden it out to that in a way that nothing else will. And in my experience, many churches that I've been to, they're not willing to give me the platform, right? They weren't willing to give me the opportunity to speak maybe in small, in, in some places, but it wasn't until I started a podcast that I found my voice. Right. And mm. so, so that's where I think it's really important. You're right. I agree with you. Sunday morning has its place. Um, I just have personally abandoned it as a, as a chief uh, moment of my discipleship in a, in a week. Right. It's, it's no longer has that status. Well, I, I think what we're both saying, let's put it in the right place. That's right. That's right. Let's, and, and I think there are pastors, I haven't met them yet, but there are pastors that are overdoing digital to the lack of helping people get connected. And then there's pastors that are overdoing the in-person. Here's the dream situation. You have a church that gathers on Sunday, people that do the habits that I talk about, and you don't really need programs to make those happen. You have accountability and structures for that. But here, here's my dream and vision of a church. Like, like, I want the, the Christian that's been here for 50 years to have like four coffees a month with people that are younger that are struggling and just starting to feel comfortable. Like we don't have that hospitality, that space to do that. And that just matters so much to people's lives. And I wish more Christians on Sunday morning saw that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I absolutely love all that. And I think it's, it's a key question that we need to be asking right at this moment, because even though we don't know it yet, um, digital is only getting started, right? Like it's only, only just beginning all the, we have, we've gotten all the tools, video, audio, text, but it's changing and it's going to grow and how we interact in the metaverse there's a whole other question. We don't have to dive into that, but it's coming. Whether we like it or not, it's coming. Mark Zuckerberg is going to do it. Other people are going to do it. And I, I guarantee you we're going to see even more um, both big and small church interactions in the metaverse if we're, if we're positioned to take, to, take, to take advantage of that and see how God would ask us to use it it could be incredible. Can you imagine uh, putting on your goggles or your glasses or whatever and showing up to church virtually with people from literally every nation, tribe and tongue, like, like from all over the place. I mean, that, that gets me a little bit excited. Maybe it's not, it's not what we read about in revelation, but it's pointing toward it in a way that maybe nothing else ever has. Well, two quick things. Um, I love what you're talking about. Big picture wise. Um, but I, I actually, uh, number one, I do digital content and um, 
use this as an analogy. I'm not saying that this is right to do. Like when I do a podcast or a live stream, I'm looking to be the local craft beer. I'm not looking to be Budweiser. Sure. And, and I think that that's where churches get stuck Yeah, is like they, we're trying to have a realistic approach and we, we want to serve Rochester with the why questions that they're asking. And does it reach people in California and Colorado? Sure. But that's, that's on the, the number one part. But then the number two part in doing that, you know, we probably a third of the people that we interview are people from Browncroft. And, you know, like I said, I'm about to interview one of our elders who wrote a chapter in a book. And, um, you know, what happens is, is people actually listen to their podcasts. And on Sunday morning, they walk up to them and they go, hey, were you on the Why God Why podcast? Perfect. And, and well, and think about this. This is why podcasts long form or longer form for us to make a three minute video, you know, to capture someone's story with a sermon, to put it in the right place. That takes longer than actually recording a podcast. And you yes. can even and those are the things that we're not even figuring Ooh. out yet. So anyway. Okay. Okay. But so just imagine this with me for Adam. Maybe somebody's doing this, but thinking about your digital stuff, and maybe this is what you're saying. And if it is, please feel free to elaborate. Taking the stuff that um that you might have included in the last, let's say, decade or so in the sermon, like the story, maybe you do a little video, but you know, maybe instead using it as supplemental material in the podcast later, like, hey. Somebody so and so has this great story. This is how it relates to the point that I'm talking about right now. If you want more, and I would encourage you to go listen to it, go and get the podcast, right? And then you can do that. That then becomes a supplemental content, right? To to actually what's happening, they can take it with them. So, right out of the money. Um, I love so it. Let me just use let me use a personal example. I was preaching, you know, a while ago, and. You know, I interviewed uh, this guy named Jeff Miller, who attends Browncroft. He's part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, um, you know, he was talking about wise ambition getting in the way of my relationship. He just had a perfect one-liner that all of a sudden it was connecting people to him, but also connecting people to this other grand story that we're saying. So, you know, there's that on the story end on that part. But then the second part is, you know, I've been talking a lot about these habits. So we launched these habits fall of 2021 and I went back through all of our why God, why, and you can go on our website. We actually have a habits page. We already had a number of episodes on prayer. We had a professor by the name of Nije Gupta, who is teaching us how to pray. He wrote a book on the Lord's prayer. We had someone from the American Bible society, John Flake talking about how to read the Bible. We had our different serve partners, that we were talking about there. Um, and so we, we started a series from um, a, not a deficit, but from an additive, we already had the content ready to make this a priority series. And I think that people forget that, like I'm just getting to 200 episodes in February. And what we're able to do is go back there. If my podcast stops tomorrow, it would still be serving people so that's why yes. kind of we keep doing it because it can do that. Right. Which I also love because the, so that mindset is so, so powerful. Being able to grab and understand how digital actually 
enhances what you're doing on Sunday, not detracts from it, is really unique, actually. I haven't run into a lot of people who who do that. So I applaud you for doing that. I do want to talk about um, why God, why. We talked about it a little bit, but the, the whole idea um, of doing something with a podcast that's beyond releasing your, re-releasing your sermon or recycling your sermon, right? I'm, I'm all for that. I think podcasting, I guess, makes a really good tool. It's like the new tape ministry for sermons. I get it from, from the eighties. That's fine. I understand it. Those tend not to get a lot of listens though, because that's not what people are looking for podcasting. So what you're, what you've done or your church has done is said, well, what, can we actually do that would engage people and people would want to listen to, right? And then it's having this sort of communal effect. You're using it the way that it should be used is what I'm, is what I'm hearing. I mean, I'll take it from the president of the Christian Podcasters Association, <laughs> but uh, well, so, so think about this. So we've had Derwin Gray, who's a pastor. Um, we're going to have Glenn Packiam who wrote the resilient pastor. He's our 200th episode. We had Caitlin Sheck, who wrote a book on politics. Yeah. We've, we've had all these people. Um, so I'm not going to tell you their price, but I can tell <laughs> you this. Um, and again, we haven't paid. We've paid very minimal for podcast guests. That's another thing. Do I want to be careful about that? So, but to pay for them to come to us and for their time, um, you know, we've probably saved the church anywhere from $100,000. You know, and so even wow. to just think, you know, and most of the time I just, I email them, I ask them to do that. And I, I don't think churches are understanding that we're still kind of thinking in the conference mindset. We're still kind of thinking in that way. And, you know, we're also, we just got picked up. Um, I'm thankful for James Browning out of the small group network um, in, uh, in Saddleback Church. You know, we're part of the Lumavaz podcast network. And so that's been something that's been helpful to us you know, even just, even as a localized, but also a national version of, we now can bring more guests. You know, someone could read a book to me and say, Hey, Eric just wrote this book. And I can say, Hey, Eric, my friend wrote this book. Can we interview on on the podcast? We're actually bringing a service to the church to help them listen to conversations they may not have. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Podcasting is a service to your audience, whether your audience is your church or is someone else or some other community that you care about, it's a service and you can bring in those kind of other angles of the conversation, right? Like I'm here, I hear you saying from, from other people, from the best and the brightest in the world, right? You get to, you get to ask them and they'll, they'll gladly do it. Uh, you know, I guess maybe sometimes you have to pay them. I haven't had to do that yet, but that's great. So, uh, but that's fantastic so that you can, you can get them, uh, your people in conversation with some of these ideas. I love it. I think that's how it should be done. Yeah. And just to give, you know, pastors and churches another, we had Jeff Henderson come for a weekend. He did one of his business lunches. He wrote the book, know what you're for. He preached on Sunday morning, you know, former pastor. We did a podcast and it was actually a a New Year's resolution podcast about, you know, what about my job in 2022? And it just, it actually extended, it extended that conversation. So, you know, I think what even you're saying, we haven't even scratched the surface 
of what, you know, of what we can do, of how the church can support people. hundred percent. You said it earlier. We haven't been that creative with it yet, but I hear you're starting to do it, which I love. All right, Peter, thanks so much for sharing some of your story, having some of that conversation with me. It uh, is absolutely something I'm passionate about, as you know, from Christian Podcasters Association. One of the reasons I want to help support Christian podcasters is to help them do things that move beyond Bible study, move beyond preaching. Those things are valuable, but move into conversation because that's what podcasting is. So good at you're doing it. Thanks for being here. People can find you. The podcast is at whygodwidepodcast.com. Uh, and how can they connect with you if they want to? I have a website, peterengler.com. Um, I'm on um, all the socials, so for Twitter and for um, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, PD Angler or Peter Angler. I'm, I'm pretty active on all of those. You can uh, make fun of me on TikTok. It's PD Angler. So P is in Peter, <laughs> D is in Delta. My last name, E-N-G-L-E-R-T. So yeah. I, I like it. Do you, have you done one with Taylor Swift yet? Because that's what everybody's doing. Somehow I ended up on Taylor Swift Talk. Hey, fun fun fact. Um, my wife and I danced to the song Ours by Taylor Swift. <laughs> I thought it was really good, but part of the song we don't relate to, so I'll just leave our listeners with that. <laughs> there you go. Love it. All right, uh, Peter, thanks a lot. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, you know, I, I just want to encourage you to, to sit back, ask the deep questions, and uh, look for where God's calling you to be faithful and watch what he does with it. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 